G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. Bit of a slow start. <laughs> G'day. I reckon at least a third of the time I get caught at the start. We've got a mute button here at the on my table. Yes. Anyway, my name's Lloyd Grobman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live. Hunty, welcome. Mate, it's good to be here. That brought you a fair bit of joy at the beginning of the program, didn't I it? cannot tell a lie. But you know what? You're the producer. <laughs> yes. And you're sitting right in front of this thing. Yes. And you saw a, re- a red light. Pleasurable was quite pleasurable. <laughs> I'm blaming the producer. It's the producer's job to tell me the green light's not off. Love it. Welcome, listeners. <laughs> We're glad to see you. We're actually coming from our brand new studio. Both of us out at Richmond in the one room at the same time for the first time. Are we allowed to say the guy who donates this studio for us? I don't know. I'll say, Mr. Schofield. Let's, let's give him a plug. Yeah. yeah. Good guy. Sells oranges. Yep. So if you're out Richmond Way, yep. Yep. stop get in a bag of oranges Schofield and some juice. Farm and yep. get some oranges. This guy's very generous. Yes. He supports the work, not just for us, but he also supports Gary Kent. He does. And in his ministry, um, The Incredible Journey, I think it's called. We should get Gary Kent on. Yeah, we should. Because yeah, yeah. now we're in his studio, his old studio. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good story, actually. He does. Uh, and doing a he great does. ministry. But we're glad you're here today. The weather, well, here in Sydney today, it's not raining. And you know what? For the first time in four or oh, five weeks. feels at least four or five weeks. We've had weeks. three floods in four weeks. Yep. Three times I've been either stuck at my studio out at St Albans or blocked from getting out there. I went out there. We went out there, what, a day or so back? Yep. There were bog bulldozers yes, and tractors, tractors and, and trucks. Big boulders had fallen down off the mountains onto the roads, and there was trees over, and it was a mess, actually, wasn't it? Well, I even, I even evacuated on Friday last week to make sure I didn't get stuck on the wrong side of the Hawkesbury River. Yeah, you don't muck around. Actually, yeah. the saddest thing is when you go out on the way to the studio, you're going along this road and you look across the river, and here's, here's all these beautiful two story homes. Oh. Every single one of them went under. And you oh, look at the yes. people across there. I've been home a couple of nights, you know, going back to Sydney at night. And usually you see a whole row of lights along that riverfront. There's yep. none. Oh, dear. Those houses have been totally and absolutely devastated. And so if you've been flood affected in Australia over the last few weeks, we, our sympathies go out for you. Our prayers mm, go out to you. Sure. And uh, I tell you what. We uh we're very sorry. Uh, I want to welcome you. We're going to have a prayer, but before we do, Hunty, we have a got, great program lined up today. Ask the Aussie pastor. We today. certainly do, what, and we got a couple of really special guests. So, what do you want to do first? Uh, let me plug and ask the Aussie pastor. Okay. If you'd like to send your questions to Pastor Lloyd, you can do them one of two ways. You can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Or you can email them to us, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. You know what? I was brought up in Queensland. Good place. 32 years I've been a pastor. I'm still not used to being called Pastor Lloyd. <laughs> you know what I like, don't you? The Aussie pastor. Nah? No. Lloyd. Lloyd. Right. Just call me. If, I, if you made a movie about my life, you could title it Just, Just Call, call me, me Lloyd. Lloyd. I love yeah, it. That's, that's nice. That's Lloyd. Uh, yeah, and we've got some guests. We've got, uh, well, I'm going to let you, Hunty, introduce yes. them. We've got one of our f- absolute favourites, Harold Harker, and he's come to talk to us on another very exciting moment in history. The guy's name's William Farrell. Yep. He's actually a Frenchman who lived most of his life in Switzerland. One of the four, what 
historians believe are the four founding members of the Protestant Reformation. The other guy who's coming to visit us uh, today. His name is Don Felberg, and his his travels across Australia for part of his job, I think he's doing over 100,000 kilometres a year. He works, actually, well, he did work. I think he's just retired for the Aboriginal work, for the work with the Indigenous yes. people of this nation. Yes. He has a good story to tell, and it's very interesting. So no matter who you are, we welcome you today, and we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us here onto radio again today. There are no floods, the weather's okay, and we praise you for that. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us now as we get into this uh, program. I pray, Lord, that we'll see you, that we'll see you in all your beauty and all your gentleness and kindness and in all your love. So thank you for being here with us now. Bless our listeners, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song is a new one, Hunty. Yep. For us. It's called I Could Never Praise Him Enough. It's actually by a group called Greater Vision. They're from the United States of America and they're probably one of the most popular religious spiritual really? groups. Yeah, in America. They're big. They're really big. In fact, this guy who leads out Greater Vision, he goes around from I wish I were in Australia, man. You know how at New Hope Church once a year when things aren't in chaos like they mm. have been for the last flood fire two or three years. Flood COVID. COVID yep. Uh we, we have a thing called him hymn sing. Yeah. Well he does he does hymn sing over there um in the um United States of America and he'll go into a church. They have thousands turn up and they sing the old hymns. And they're beautiful the old hymns. Yep. Because people love that. And this is a song they sing written by them. I could never praise him enough. Alrighty, here we go. I could never praise him enough for the cross of Calvary. I could never thank him enough. Salvation full and free. I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything he's done, I could never praise him enough. For many years, I've served the Lord the best that I know how. Giving unto Him my time, telling of His power. But if I were to spend unending hours on my knees, praising Him for everything He's ever done for me, I could never praise Him enough for the cross of Calvary. I could never thank Him enough for salvation full and free. I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. Could never tell just what our Lord has done As if He hadn't done enough He sent His only Son To hang upon a rugged cross And bear the load of sin That explains why I can't express The love I have for Him I could never praise Him enough for the cross of 
favourite songs, that one, Hunty. That's a ripper. It is, talking about the cross and how much we are thankful to Jesus yep. that he paid a, the price for our sins there. I don't know what I'd do without Jesus in these anxious times. Mm. It's it's such an assurance and it's such a beautiful thing to have Jesus as your saviour know that no matter what happens, he has died on the cross for me and I'm going to be okay. Even if death was to take me mm. because of what he did on the cross, I'm going to be okay. And so I can never... Praise him enough. I would say that song will go right into heaven. We cannot praise Jesus enough. Mm, the peace, is, the yeah. peace that you get, yeah. that you live every day. Well, that's my personal experience. The peace that I get every day from knowing my Savior is is just gold. I don't know how people do it without no, without. I don't you know. Either. Every time I get into the Bible in the morning and in the evening, I'm 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 hearing His voice. You get on your knees. As you said, peace just uh, coursing through your body. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. And he settles your anxieties, doesn't he? Absolutely. I know you've just been through or still going through a bit of an anxious time, so you need him. Yes. I need, I've been through always, an anxious time. Always need him. Almost lost my farm in a flood with yep. the studio. We yep. all need him. Yep. Um, news. News. I tried Indeed. to find some different news sort of articles today. A little bit away from COVID, the war on Ukraine. Although I, I will say this, the war on Ukraine is awful, isn't it? Terrible. It's not getting any better. I, I think COVID seems to be... Dropping at the moment, which is a good thing. But Elon Musk, how much do you know about Elon Musk? I was delighted with this story the other day. I when he he purchased a whole lot of shares in Twitter. In fact, I think nine percent is it? Just or? over. I think it's about nine point four percent actually. Yes, which makes well, him one, now. For those who don't now, there could be some not listening, uh, not know anything about Twitter. What is Twitter? Twitter is a um, a social media platform that allows. A person, for example, me, would allow me to broadcast my views and my thoughts. It's actually the major social media platform for news. For news, that's right. I, I'm not on Twitter. I was not I quit it. I think, <laughs> I think I had about two people following me, and that was my daughter and my wife. I could get no one interested. Um, but it is used. Absolutely. Big time. And Elon Musk, who's probably more famous for making cars and rocket ships, he's had a beef with Twitter over freedom of speech. Correct. And so to me, it's a very interesting thing that he has gone and bought 9.4%. What yeah. is even more interesting is the fact that when he bought that many shares, he actually had a right to sit on the board mm. and you refused to. What's he up to, Hunty? He, he is very displeased with how the businesses run and how they're silencing free speech. So he's decided to take action, own a piece of the company and steer its direction. He's most upset about the fact that he couldn't use the, so why the terminology he, male and female. But, but why doesn't he why doesn't he um why doesn't he get on the board? Well what, what, he, what's he resisting? I, I believe for? I believe he's having to avoid a seat on the board because he wants to buy more shares. He wants to buy more shares and the second thing is they restrict his freedom of speech. That's right. The very thing he wants. If you're on the board, you've got to reflect what the board decides, even if on the board you don't go along with the decision made. And he doesn't want to do that. So he wants to buy – well, he wants the option – not, not saying he will buy more shares, mm. but he wants the option to buy more shares and he doesn't want to be restricted. So he truly is a man of free speech. I'm not saying I support him or not. I'm just interested as I watch the politics of social media. Social media actually – these companies are private companies. And they actually do have a right to decide what is and what isn't said from their platform. And Correct. We, we tend to think that 
Facebook and Twitter, that, that they owe us, that we can say whatever we like on those platforms. But the reality is they are all private companies. When I say private companies, some of them are owned by shareholders. Yep. But they're still companies. They're, they're not government entities. They're not a service to the community. They're there. They're designed to make money. And they actually can, can't they, decide what goes up yep. on their platform Who and says what, what and when. Did you know that Elon Musk is now the world's richest man? No. Yeah, he just recently became the world's richest. I had a look at how much money he's got in the hundreds of billions of dollars, and he could buy Twitter outright. He could. If he chose to. He could. So he's a bit of a threat. Yes. Um, Sometimes when I look at these political battles over social media and all that, you think to yourself, it it really doesn't matter that much. The gospel's not going to go out in the end through social or on social media platforms. It's going to go out one-on-one, Yep. us sharing our relationship with Jesus. Now, Correct. social media platform, I think we've got, with all our social media platforms, 60,000, 70,000 people. We do. Following us very loosely. Mm. But I still think even with that, and sometimes we'll put a program out and if we can throw a bit of money at it, we'll get over a million views. Yes. People are actually watching it, yes. which is a good thing. But in the end, it's you and me individually who's going to finish the gospel. I believe that to be true. Electric cars, something very dear to your heart. Oh, yes, absolutely. Are these electric cars, which are close to parity with fuel cars, do you know what I mean by that? Let me explain by parity. The the steep upfront cost of buying an electric car, minus the cheap fuel and minus the, the savings in repairs and maintenance, the numbers are now coming out about even. Petrol versus They're electricity. Three to four years in Australia, which is lagging the rest of the world, that you'll be able to buy an electric car up front cheaper than a petrol or a diesel car. Correct. There's a lot less. I tech think that's inside. what's stopping people buying electric cars in Australia. And also, I'm I'm quite disturbed that the people who are putting out these statistics aren't taking into account that people can charge the electric car off their solar panels. If you've that got, will, that's that will, if you've got solar panels, correct, and you can charge during the day. That'll take the price of electric cars refueling down to zero. Do you know how much... Well, it's not zero, really, because you've still got to pay for the solar panels. Well, if you have them on your house and you're running your house but off solar... you still solar. have to pay for them, so you've got to factor that into the cost. A lot of people have solar panels through government grants already on their houses, and they already have a lot of electricity Well, you free. and me don't. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> My motorhome had some free power oh, you on don't the roof. have that anymore, No. Mate. I was thinking of that. <laughs> Actually, I had a look at this. At the moment... Fuel is what? If you buy the cheap stuff, $2 a litre. $1.70 a litre. $1.75, yep. Is that for the cheap or the expensive? That's the E10. That's the E10. So yeah. 98 is about $1.90 or something. I fill up with diesel today at $1.80. Apparently, you can, electrically, you can charge a car equivalent about 7 to 14 cents a litre. That's right. So even paying for the electricity. It's still a lot cheaper. Uh, tell me this, Hunty, and we, we've touched on this before. Now, I ask you this because you are a car <laughs> even more than me. I love cars. I love but cars. But you're way in front of me with cars. I don't like saying that, but I suppose I'll have to acknowledge it. <laughs> do you think electric cars are the future, or do you, do you think there's other options out there that could be better? Look, electric cars are fantastic, and Tesla have proven that they're fast and they're reliable. There are Teslas out now with 700,000 miles on them. Those batteries are still in great condition. By the way, did you know you only have to um, service your Tesla or your electric yep. car every 30,000 30, 30 to 50,000. Yeah, and it's a cheap mm. service? Yes. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Anyway, um, where was I? So, mm, 
That's great. He's forgotten where forgot he is. Where I'm going. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Oh, that's right. I, I wasn't listening to you so carefully, so I can't. I can't give you a hint. Too old. Too old. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you stepped in. Then that was quite convenient. Two two old men running a radio program, wandering off down the road, and can't remember. Ah, uh, yes. Back. He's back. Back to my back to my Teslas. They're very powerful and very efficient. Yep. But there's hydrogen as an option. Now, we might find lithium batteries expensive and hard to recycle, and there might be a, a cost that with lithium that we don't want to pay as a society. So hydrogen can be made from water with solar panels. Now, I remember the old newsreels back in the 1930s of a, a balloon blowing <laughs> the Hindenburg. up. Hindenburg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was hydrogen, wasn't it? Okay. These fuel cells aren't going to blow up like the Hindenburg. I hope not. They use they use hydrogen a different way. So if someone rear ends me. No, you've got more you've got more trouble being rear ended with a petrol car than a hydrogen. That car. it would start on fire. You mean? Or? Are, are both petrol and electric cars if safe? You, if you split if you split a petrol tank and fuel runs out, there's going to be a fire and an explosion. Okay. Whereas hydrogen doesn't become dangerous until the absolute point where they convert it to electricity in a hydrogen car. Remember, scientists are listening to this. That's right. Got to be very careful. That's right. So, in the future, you buying a hydrogen car or an electric one? Or you're not sure? Well, well, the reason I'm I'm not sure is because there is a big price to pay for digging up uh, lithium. That's electric to, to make batteries for electric yeah. cars. Whereas there doesn't seem to be a downside to a hydrogen car. I heard actually that Australia has just about as much lithium as anybody else in the world, and that they're developing right now mines where they can dig this stuff up. Right. Right. It's amazing how in our lifetime, I'm 58, you're 57. It's amazing how in our lifetime technology, even in the last 20 years, has exploded, hasn't it? Well, our lifetime, we, we started school without computer chips. Yeah. Well, and without really, really – well, not with, not with the, the high-density ICs that they use today. Well, that the cars had carburetors. And, yes. You know, they were pretty basic back but then. But old Elon Musk's Teslas now are doing a million kilometres without being touched. They just get and they the do, do breaks to be and lasting better that's right. than people thought. That's right. I think the Bible says something, doesn't it, about technology exploding near the end of time? Yes. And I think that's happening. I was talking the other day how my grandmother lived 101 years. She died in 2004. I think it was the end of 2004 she died. Yep. So she was almost 101 when she died. In that 101 years, she saw a lot of technological developments. But in the last, since she died from 2004, end of 2004 to 2022, we're still kind of in the beginnings. But you know there's been more technological development in that, what, 18 years than in the entire 100 years beforehand? Well, when we were kids, technology and the advancements and information on the planet was doubling every 50 to 100 years. When we were in our teens, it was 25. When we were in our 30s, it was 10. I think information on this planet now is doubling every year or two. Well, you can see it in the computers and mm. the phones. I mean, we, we got you, you got a new phone this this year, mm. an Apple iPhone something. 13. Is it 13? Mm. I've still got a 7 plus. You can see who gets the good stuff in this ministry. <laughs> my, my phone does a lot of work. It does, actually. It does. But the, the the difference between my iPhone 7 Plus and your iPhone 13 is, mm. I mean, the difference just in the cameras is extraordinary, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, and that's what... However, your iPhone 7 has more computing power than the entire of NASA did when it went to the moon. I know. That, that, that's where you, you, know, you, you see the Bible talking about the increase in technology and then you see what's happening. It's unbelievable. For sure. So I found that, uh, that uh, Elon Musk uh, uh, the, and then the electric class find this all interesting. You yeah, know, me the too. Context of the times we live in. And then 
this last, I call these bad news stories, but none of them are real bad today. I've got one good news too, mate. It's a beauty. Um, Albanese. Now, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison calls an election. Well, the day before. Sunday. Mm. Sunday. Yep. I try not to follow these elections <laughs> too carefully. Don't worry, listeners, we're not going to tell you who to vote for because Hunty and I can't agree between ourselves. No, we can't. Let alone <laughs> try and advise, and it's not our place to advise you how to vote. Correct. But I was interested when Albanese makes one mistake, couldn't remember. Two mistakes. Well, he couldn't remember the 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 um, cash rate, yeah, the which rate. is actually 4%. No, 0.1%. Sorry. Point one. What was the four? What? That's the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate was four percent. See, I would have been in trouble like Albanese. Um, the thing that gets me about that, yep, is you've got, and I think this is a sign of the times too. We have media and reporters that struggle to report news and are into what I call opinion pieces. Yep. Everything is an opinion. My opinion on what Albanese or Scott Morrison is. But the thing that got me about it is how easy is it for any of us under pressure? Oh, no, yeah. no, there's no two men under more pressure than Morrison and Albanese at the moment in Australia. Correct. Now, you forgot where you were. In, in my story. Yeah. Yes. Now, I do that when I'm preaching. You ought to try it, mate. You're up there in front of people and you, forget, you, you lose your train of thought. And they come down on him. They'll do the same thing to Morrison. They'll of go course, after him. Of course. And, they ask the, oh, and I wonder, Hunty, if I were to ask you some questions, how good you'd go. And you're a shopper. Okay, I want to say you're a shopper. You do go do your groceries for your wife sure, at times. weekly. A litre of milk. Uh, well, I use A2 milk. Yeah. How much a litre? Um, I think the two litre that I normally get is around three bucks. Okay, a loaf of bread. Well, I get Helga's soy and linseed, and that's about three or four bucks. Kilogram of butter. Because I know uh, you buy butter. You and that's about three you, bucks. You don't, you don't buy margarine. No, that's about three bucks as well. Okay. Could I trap you? Yes. Keep, if you did, you could trap me. You could trap me easily. Because there's some things I buy I don't care about the price. Oh, am I saying how wealthy I am now? <laughs> no. <laughs> we know that's not true. <laughs> uh, but the thing is... I wouldn't know what a Vegemite costs. You know I, why? I buy it because I like it. Yeah, okay. Mm. I, I don't know. I think Marmite's about... Th- I don't eat Vegemite. I've, I'm a Actually, mar- I, I eat Marmite too. I'm a sanitarium. A, 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 a call out to sanitarium, that yep. wonderful... Greatest place. health food company in the country. Yeah, we love you. We love you. I think I'm paying about $3.50 for a uh, uh, little... Well, if you'd asked me about Marmite, I wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah. (laughs) I love Marmite. Peanut butter. Love sanitarium peanut butter. Yep. I can actually eat that with a... I don't know whether you're supposed to, but I can eat that with with a teaspoon. It's concentrated calories right there. It is. But Mm. at least the peanut butter I buy from sanitarium is pure and beautiful. That's right. So, yeah, um, I, I, I think my point was there that it would be good if we had a media that concentrated on the issues at hand so that we could then vote as educated people rather than trying to get what I would call, and this is not a defence of Albanese anymore, that was a defence of Howard who got caught some time ago in his election campaign on the other side of the spectrum, exactly the same thing. Forget the gotcha moments media and give us some facts because I think voting is uh, is a hard one right. And Australia fought hard battles so that we could have these democratic votes. That's right. So it's important. Now, the good news story, last one. Yes, I love this. A teenager saves two years for a car. Yes. And what did he do? Well, he and his family went to Lismore to help out with flood relief. Mm. They donated cash, they donated clothing and food. Time. And they worked hard with their time to help recover the city of Lismore. And then what did he do? 
And just as he was about to leave, he, he, he saw a man who had lost everything. And I think it's pretty amazing what he did. He said, listen, let me give you some money, some supplies, and here's my car. Beautiful story. Mm. Gave him his car. I remember my daughter saving up for a car and how special it was for her when she went and got that car. That is a good news story of a kid who somewhere, somehow, as he's been brought up, gets it. And so you know what? I want to end on that because it's so beautiful. But as you read the news, as you watch the news, as you get into the news, remember to always look up because somewhere in the east there will appear a little cloud. The signs are telling us this is going to happen. A little cloud, and in that cloud will be Jesus because Jesus will have come. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. There's a beautiful Christian school, Hunty, in Canada called Fountain View Academy. Yep. I actually want to send my 15-year-old son there for year 11 and 12. It is that good. They specialize in bringing kids up and educating them in Jesus. I love the school. Mm. But also in music. music. Yep. And they put some of the most beautiful music out. And this this song comes directly, well, two today I've chosen, yep. comes directly from Fountain View uh, Academy in Canada, and it's called Your Grace Still Amazes Me. Oh, there. 
Hunty, that that music is sung by high school kids. Wow, that's yeah, nice. Year 10, 11 and 12. And they sing the, the most beautiful music. And if you, I encourage our listeners, if you're on the internet, Google Fountain View Academy and you're just going to hear some of the most beautiful music. Often on a Friday night, the beginning of the Sabbath for me, I'll lie in bed, 7, 8, not 7, oh, yeah, sometimes seven. <laughs> Not going to sleep, but listen to the beautiful music from Fountain View Academy. We've got one more song from them today, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. It's actually my favourite that they sing. Anyway. It's time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Okay, let's go and get straight into it, brother. All righty. So first question, what does the Bible say about women pastors? Not a whole lot. Uh, in fact, the model, th- this question comes through to us on the radio from time to yeah, time. Yeah, it's not our first time. It's, it also comes through to me personally a fair bit where people want to know, should we have women pastors or not? Well, in the Adventist church, we're a bit torn on this question. Would that be fair to say, Hunty? Yeah, there's a conservative group and a not-so-conservative group. Um, in some areas of the world, um, you want, you'll go, uh, perhaps Africa and South America, although even there things are changing a little bit, and you won't find women pastors, but in Australia and Western countries, generally you're going to find uh, women pastors. Correct. So I've asked myself that question many times. Um, because when you read the Bible, one of the reasons I think it could be such a discussion is, and people on both sides will argue against me on this, but it may, may not be as clear as we might want. But I ask myself, and I've been a, 
a pastor for a fair while. So I'll ask myself, what does a pastor do? A pastor preaches, a pastor teaches, a pastor visits, a pastor prays for people. Leads people. A pastor listens. Listens, leads people to Jesus. They do Bible studies. Now, if that was what I would define the role of a pastor as, which I do, and I'm saying that after many years of experience, I would think that both men and women could fulfill that function quite comfortably. Women can teach. Women can preach. Women can pray for. They can visit the sick. But, you know, um, I understand if your view is not, perhaps down the same line as mine. But I think the important thing is Hunty's got his hand up here. I, I don't know what I, I have want. a question. I don't want to know what I want to hear from it's him. It's coming but. anyway. Okay. <laughs> what do you tell people that quote the Bible to you and say women should keep silent in church? Um, why don't we – well, no, I don't want to go into that on the radio too much. I, I basically would say that Paul is speaking to a specific scenario where – um, this is my view, yep. where there was a problem in a particular church. Okay. So because there's other examples in Paul's ministry where women were not silent in church. Um, Lydia and others, where women were even leading the church. So that's why I would tend to personally, but I know there's going to be people listening to me who probably got smoke coming <laughs> yes. out their ears at the moment. I'll check, and that's it. What, I'll check it. Message here's, bank. here's my point as I finish <laughs> talking about this, Hunty. Yep. We need to treat each other when we discuss things like this. Yes. Politics is like this too. Yes. We need to treat each other with respect. Love and respect. Love and gentleness. Yes. Yes. Treat each other as Jesus would speak, as Jesus would act, as Jesus would. By all means, have your views. That's yep. okay. Yep. But never forget to treat and to speak gently with the love and the spirit of Jesus. Yes, that's the key. All right. Next question, question two. Is the Bible against interracial marriage? I hope not, because I'm interracially <laughs> married. I'm married to an uh, Indonesian girl. It's a good question, though, because in the old days they'd say, then they would use the text, be ye not, uh, not unequally, unequally yoked. yoked. I know the one. But if you look at the context there, it's talking about believer and unbeliever. And there's no doubt the Bible's very clear that believers should be very hesitant about marrying unbelievers. Right. But as far as... Uh, Marrying someone from another race, we're all human. Yep. I think, you know, I, I've been married to Liska for a while now. She's Indonesian. I'm Australian. I think you do have to be a bit careful because there are what I would call um, differences in culture yep. and expectation. But to be honest, Lizzie and me, there are those differences, but it's never, ever for us caused any obstacles. Yep. We kind of love each other's different. You know, Liska took me to Indonesia, mate, and uh, I never thought I'd like the food there, but, oh, my goodness, it was absolutely So we're telling our listeners that the Bible does not forbid interracial marriage. No. no. Jesus is the the God of every nation, race and creed. Mm. If you're human, you can marry another human, male and female, whenever you want. Just, you know, whenever you get married, do it with uh, what, what I would mm. say, and my advice would be mm. if you're going to get married, do it with the, um, the blessings, blessings of God. God. Yep. Go to God. That's the key. Go to God. Both of you ask, together, pray together. Yeah, mm. go to God and ask him. And we yep. probably haven't got time, but I could tell you a story about that one day. And my, maybe next week I'll talk to you about what happened to me 
on all oh, this. That's a great story. I yeah. know a bit of that. Let's go on. All right, dinosaurs. Does the Bible say anything about dinosaurs? Not a whole lot. I mean, in the book of Job, it talks about a leviathan. I don't know what a leviathan is. That might have been some huge animal. Yeah. I, I have no doubt on the existence of dinosaurs. I mean, there's bones and tracks all over the planet. They might have been pre-flood. They might have been wiped out at the flood. They might have been wiped out after the flood. Uh, there's no doubt dinosaurs at some stage or another roam the world. I don't think the world's millions of years old. I think the Bible's pretty clear. It's somewhere around, and I'm not hard on this, but somewhere around 6,000 years old. And in that 6,000 years, yes, we've had dinosaurs march around on the planet. What happened to them? Not sure. Does the Bible talk about them? Not a whole lot. Bible doesn't talk about a whole lot of other animals that exist. I don't see kangaroos in the Bible. True. But True. they're here, or koala bears or wombats. Yep. But they're all here. Yep. So just because the Bible doesn't talk about a dinosaur doesn't mean a dinosaur at some stage didn't exist. I think just like many other animals, they become extinct. Why? I don't know. I'll tell you this much. It wasn't because of some meteorite. Not a chance. <laughs> they become extinct like other animals did, and I guess that's one of those things we can ask God one day. Possibly the flood. Who knows? All righty. Next question. Well, actually, the next question is not really a question. It's more of a statement. This person says... I reckon I could even answer this. I would go to church, but there are so many hypocrites. Okay, off you go. Well, that's the whole plan for churches. Churches are full of sinners, not saints. So yes, it's full of hypocrites. That's what we all are, trying to find Jesus, trying well, to find love. Someone claims Christ and then goes and does the opposite, and in the midst of doing the opposite while I'm going to church hurts me. Yep, that'll turn you off. But you just said church is full of hypocrites. Correct. Correct. So what's your answer? We're all sinners trying to find trying to find Jesus and trying to live better but lives. But I went to church and someone hurt. No, I'm just using it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yes, um, this is not true. I, I'm just saying. People would say, Sure, well, it's I, happened. I went to church and someone hurt me with unchristian behaviour and that hypocrisy, I can't live with that. I'm not going to church anymore. I've got a brother who says that. Yeah, it's what, terribly What are you sad. going to say? Come to our church. We'll look after you. Yeah, but even in our church, you know there's been people that have been hurt. Yeah, lucky I'm not the Aussie pastor. <laughs> but you said you were going to answer this question. Well, I did. I said so, church is full of hypocrites. That's the fact. Yeah. I, get, I, I, get over I, it. <laughs> I think it is a fact. I'm not sure about the get over it bit because we do do stuff that really hurts. We do. And we need to um, be very have, sympathetic. We need to have love in our empathy. hearts. Empathy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, Hunty's a hypocrite. I I'm am. a hypocrite. Yep. We all believe stuff and sometimes fall over and do things against what we believe and the battles with temptation and sin in fact you almost say hunty that happens all the time all right let's move on next question it seems given a modern cultural context that the bible is particularly outdated especially on the subject of relationships and marriage and christians seem to fire up with all these old-timey debates and not only that within the christian rank we don't seem to agree on it some are for and some are against marriage equality. There's a broad spectrum, so why do you hate love? Well, that's a big question. I don't hate love. I don't do hate love, no. I don't hate love. So what do they have in a crackhead here? Marriage um, equality. No, yeah, an there's antiquated the, church. Uh, uh, there's no doubt what that's all about is marriage equality. How come the Christian church stands up against that, the Bible? And, and you use, they're saying that Christians use the Bible and it's antiquated and old-fashioned, we should take no notice of it. Look, you make a decision in your life to believe what you choose to believe, and you get your belief system from somewhere, Hunty. 
Yep. So when it comes to marriage, you can believe in Australia whatever you want. Yep. You can actually practice pretty much, well, not anything, but you can practice a lot of things that the Bible would forbid. Um, there's no doubt about that. But you personally, dis- you choose whether or not you're going to believe what the Bible says. I have chosen to believe what the Bible has to say about marriage. Now, in my life, before I met Christ, I certainly participated in behaviours and actions that were forbidden by the Bible. It wasn't in the area of marriage equality, but you know a little bit about my life, Hunty, and I didn't live what I would call a good life. But when I submitted to Jesus Christ and asked him into my life and he began to change me from the inside out, I stopped to stop the practice of those forbidden things. And do you know what it did for me? What's that? It gave me peace. Mm-hmm. I got healing. And Jesus turned my life upside down. So that's my experience in following the requirements, the teachings that the Bible advances on marriage. And it's a good, it's a good positive thing. I'm not attacking anybody, hunty. I'm just saying marriage is a beautiful thing when you follow the guidelines that the Bible and God has set out. But in the end, it's your choice. And mm-hmm. I'm going to respect that, and God respects it. doesn't mean what you or I do is right, but God gives you that choice, and you can make your own decision. As for me and my house, yep. we will serve the Lord and follow the Scripture. All righty. This next question is interesting. What would you say to someone who said the Ten Commandments are a great way to live, but I just don't need God. Oh, I have atheist friends who have T-shirts that say "Good without God." There probably are some good people around without God, but I think we're created for God. You know that old saying: "There's a hole, a God God-shaped hole in everybody's heart." Yep. Until God fills it, you can't experience what you've been talking about, Auntie. Yeah. The peace and, and the assurance, and you can't experience uh, the completeness that God has for you without him in your life. The Ten Commandments are good, but oh, I don't know. Um, again, if you don't have God in your life, you're missing out. That's Correct. all I can say. Agreed. I can't prove that to you, and I can't make you have that experience. You can only choose to have a go at That's it. It's been my life experience. Yeah. You can only choose yourself. Yep. It's like the marriage thing. You yep. choose. It's like with God, you choose. So if you want to live your life according to the commandments without God, go for it. Not for me. I don't want to do that. I want to live my life with God, and because I've fallen in love with God, then I'm going to have a go at the commandments because they're his character, and I want to be like him. But I'm certainly not going to live my life according to the commandments without God. Why? To me, that doesn't make sense. Mm. So so I would say um, redirect yourself from the commandments to God. And when you have God, then he'll show you the commandments and he'll put them in perspective. Mm. perspective. Nice. Probably not a good answer, but it's my best today. Well, this next question is going to be a, a test for you, as it is for me. My children don't follow God. What do I do? Great question. Mm. That comes through from time to time. They've had it before. Yep. Um, some of my kids don't follow God. It, it causes me pain. I think about it at times. Um, get a bit teary because you care for your kids. Um, pray for them would be the first thing I would say. Yep. I don't think if you uh, if you've got kids whether they follow God or not, whether they're kids. Um, that are still kids or they're growing up, 
you should pray for them morning and night. That That's the one thing. And whether they're following God or not, pray for them, pray for them, never stop praying for them. Um, many parents have seen their wayward children come to Jesus through prayer. The other thing is um, in everything you do, in your actions with them, in your behavior, try to reflect Christ. Yes. And look for openings. Yep, be a good example. Don't, don't. Don't force God on your kids when they've grown up, especially. Yep. Well, at any time, but um, once they've grown up, you know, my instinct with my girl and boy is to say, come on, it's Sabbath, let go to church. Yep. Um, my girl probably puts up with it better because she loves her dad. Yep. But I'm not sure it's that effective. And I've learned... Oh, I'm learning still. I'm a slow learner to wait on Jesus to open doors, and then I'll walk through that door. So pray for your kids. Don't try to force God on them, but look for opportunities that God will create, and you'll see them, and then you can walk through that door and share Jesus after he has created the opportunity. I think if you try to do it, hunty, without Jesus or God providing the opportunity, you can cause a whole lot of damage. Okay, I think that's it, isn't it? <laughs> okay. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, well, that's that. that's one each. Hunty, Hunty's <laughs> click clicking. I'm bashing his board. away at the button. It's not. It's not reacting or responding. <laughs> no, I had the setting wrong, so I pay a price for that. Oh, I was going to say it's because we're in a new studio. Oh, I like that. This is from Fountain View Academy again. No more night. Talking about heaven, I think, Hunty. Nice. It's a beautiful song. Indeed. All around 
Now the nations bow down to sing. The only sound is the praises to Christ, our King. Slowly the names from the book are read. I know the King, so there's no Friday night, hunty. I can be lying in bed. It's been a long week. I'm spending some time with Jesus. And I lie back and close my eyes and I listen to those young people singing that beautiful song. And you know where I go? Straight to heaven. Absolutely. No more night. They're talking about heaven there. Yep. Sometimes I actually wrote on my Facebook page the other day, when we get to heaven, I think I'm going to go and sit down by the banks of the river of life. Yep. And probably have a good old cry. I hope Jesus, I might have said this on the radio last week, I hope Jesus comes and sits next to me, Yeah, puts his arms around me, because I reckon that a lot of us have had a fairly traumatic walk on this earth. Yep. has not been easy. And you know, the Bible talks about heaven being a place where there's healing. 
and I believe we're going to heal beautifully in heaven. And that was a beautiful song. It was. I loved it. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we could try and get someone. You could chase someone up yeah, from yeah, Fountain View. Get them we for an interview. I'd yeah, like that. If it wasn't for COVID, I'd probably try and still send my younger son there because yep. he's a musician. He's a top musician. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people wouldn't realise this, but my son is actually a brilliant violinist. Yes. He's not just good. Remember yeah. when he first started playing? He's at got church? skills. I hear him. I hear him play every Sabbath. Hasn't he improved a mm. lot? Though? He's actually in tournaments now. Yeah, wow. Pastor Harker. Hello there, Lloyd. You can hear us. I can hear you, and I love the music you've been playing. Oh, yeah. look at that! There's a vote for the music. Yeah, <laughs> Hunty. Hunty actually got sacked from choosing music a couple of weeks yeah, I've ago. Been, I've been banned. I can't choose it anymore. <laughs> but he was telling me that he was getting a lot of uh, letters and emails telling him how wonderful his music was. I didn't like it, so I sacked him, mate. Yeah, my wife sent most of those, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Harold? It's great to be with you again, Lloyd, and another fantastic story. Yeah, this man, um, tell us, what was his name? His name was William Farrell, but let me tell you, there was a biography written about him, and they called it Farrell the Firebrand, and we'll talk about his personality later. Yeah, a man of great zeal. Uh, where, where was Farrell born? Because uh, you, 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 you kind of listen to that name. Is it English? Is it Where, where did that come from? Well, that's the English name. He was born in France, in southeastern France, a place called Gap. Now, in Brisbane, there's a place called the Gap. There is. This place in France, Gap, is in southeastern France, and he was born about 1489. Now, he would have had a French name. Uh, Gillian would have been the equivalent of William, I think. Yep, yep. We call him William Farrell. So his, his real name would have been Gilly, Gilly, Gilliam. Gilliam, yeah. By the way, um, I know you've travelled Europe a fair bit. Have, have you travelled to where he was born? Yes, I've been through the through Gap. What sort of place is it? Oh, it's a place along. There's mountains between there and the Swiss border, uh, or the Italian border, and uh, it leads from there. You go north and you go up to uh, uh, Valence and so on. Is it a beautiful place? It's quite nice, very picturesque, very mountainous. Uh, shelves of mountains around you, and Gap would be surrounded by hills and mountains. Okay, do we know much about William Farrell's early life? We don't know too much about him, but we know that he was educated well, so he must have gone to a good school and then went on to university. These guys were, and I've made this comment over and over and over, it amazes me. They're living in the 1300s, 14, 15, 1600s, 1700s. They were well educated, these guys. It, it amazes me. And we've got. Probably those who were well educated have become the leaders because all the leaders have had a good education. It says something about education, too, doesn't it? That sure does. Um, where did he get his love of the Bible and who introduced it to him? Well, being a Frenchman, he firstly went to the University of Paris and there he met a Jacques Lefebvre. And he gave him his love for the scriptures and his belief in justification by faith. So his love of the scripture came from his companions and his and uh, their colleagues who were there at the university with him. And when you say that uh, term justification by faith, you're talking about he believed or he learned to believe that you're saved by grace in Jesus' atoning death alone, which is full-on Protestant Theology in the middle of a Catholic world. Is that correct? Well, 
and it was a Catholic area, and he was actually in the pro-reform Catholic uh, group there at the University of Paris. So these were guys that, I guess, men and women, probably mostly men, that, that studied the Bible. Is that correct? That's right. They studied the Bible. They studied the, the reformist teachings that came through from Luther and Calvin and others. Calvin was probably just a few years later. But they studied these and they compared it with the Scripture. How do you compare things? You go to the authority and the Scripture was the final answer. I, I reckon we should still be doing that. I talk to people who are on the search and they're looking at, say, the Baptist or the Adventists or the Anglicans or even the Catholic Church. The best advice you can give is compare what they teach and preach in advance. Still do it today. Compare it with the Bible. If it stands up, believe it. If it doesn't, that's, don't. That's the answer. You said he got involved with a, a group of men. Did they have a name or...? Uh, yeah, well, there was there were they were known as the Mio Circle. Now that Mio in French would be Mora. Okay, and this group was an evangelistic group. They were Catholics, but they were virtually preaching the reformist teachings of justification and the scriptures. So they weren't Protestant; they were actually Catholic. They were Catholic, but they were preaching the Protestant thing because the scriptures said it. Now, you intimated at the beginning of this little story that this guy had a fair bit of zeal. Did he share what he was finding and did he find opposition? Well, he sure did. You know, how he said things, and he was a writer as well, and what he wrote, they were so outspoken and inflammatory that finally the authorities expel him. From he France? Just, from France or just from his town? Well, from it, from his town, but he left France then and he went into Switzerland. Now, when you because, say the authorities, this is the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, even the, they, and through them, uh, the uh, the university. Oh, wow. So he kind of gets expelled from the university. So he, he, where does he go? You said he went to Switzerland, did he? He went to Switzerland. In fact, Switzerland was like a place of liberty and it's been like that for hundreds of years. He went to Baal and uh, he left there and, of course, again, he goes to many places across Switzerland and across France and he preaches wherever he goes. And he's causing trouble wherever he goes. Well, people don't like often hearing the truth. That's the problem. Well, he's convicting people too in the hundreds of thousands. That's right. So he must have been a powerful preacher. He was a fearless leader and, uh, you know, he was really responsible for the message of the Reformation to be heard in Geneva. Yeah. Which became the centre of it. I, I like the fact that you said the, the Swiss and Switzerland was a place of freedom where the Protestant Reformation often found its roots and burned hot. I like that because, you know, Grollemond, you know where that comes from, don't you, Harold? Uh, Germany. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's Swiss. Swiss. Yep. We come well, from a tiny little village just outside of Basel. Well, at the north of Switzerland, they speak German. Yeah, that's right. Well, funny you say that because on the other side, so that's my dad's side, my mum's side are German. So we do come from all around that area. And, of course, yeah. a bit of English and everything um, jumped in there. Anyway, don't worry about Lloyd and where he came from. Did, did Farrell ever leave Catholicism officially? Uh, yes, he did. He left the church because he was so outspoken and he was condemning the church that he, in 1523, he left the church. That when he went, that's when he went to Switzerland. 
So, so who were some of the great reformers that he worked with after he goes to Switzerland? Well, he was actually responsible for Kelvin staying in Geneva. And, in fact, if you go to Geneva today, the, the great big monument to the Reformation called the Reformation Wall. Yeah. And there's four great figures that are there. There's Kelvin who stand, because these are mainly the reformers who came in, in Switzerland. Yep. Not so much talking about Luther. Yep. He's on a... Uh, right at the end, but right in the middle, the Swiss ones, you have Kelvin, you've got Farrell, yep. and you've got the guy Knox who came across from Scotland yep. and was there with Kelvin. So you have Farrell. So, so you've, got, you've got three there. Who was the fourth one? Oh, let me. You had Knox, you had Farrell, you had Bizet. Kelvin. Who? B-Z-E. He followed uh, Kelvin. Oh, I was wondering. He, he followed Zwingli in... Uh, in his place. Yeah, I was about to ask, was that fourth one Zwingli? But we're going to talk about Zwingli. How do you say it? Zwingli. Zwingli, yeah. We'll talk about him in the not-too-distant future because he was another firebrand at around about time. He sure so he, he he works a lot with Calvin. He ends up in the Waldensi Valleys in northern Italy. Tell us about that. Well, the Waldensians were really pre-reformers. Hmm. They traced their beliefs right back to the very beginning of Christianity in Europe. And they separated from the Catholic Church in 325 when Sylvester was made the Bishop of Rome and the church and state began to work together. They said, that's not us. That's not scriptural. And they separated and they kept to what we would call primitive Christianity. Including, Including the Sabbath, I believe. Many, not all, but a number of their followers were Sabbath keepers. Yeah. But... They had a a gathering, uh, like a synod, yep. in 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 fifteen twenty five, I think it was, and they met. Sorry, fifteen thirty two. Yep, they met at a place called Shanfaran in the Angrogna Valley. That's that's and that's deep into into the Waldensi territory. Deep there, yeah. And as they gathered there for six days, Farrell is going there, and he's saying. Join the Reformation. These are what we believe. And they said, well, we believe that too. We believe the scriptures. We believe how you save. And so they said, okay, we will join the, the Reformation. Wow. And so from being a, a pre-reformer, they are now part of the Great Reformation. And Farrell was that brought the Waldenses into the Reformation. Yes. Wow, 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 wow. Um, and, yep. and because... They had a fantastic love for the scripture. These Waldenses, they said, okay, we want to give a Bible okay. to the Reformation. And uh, so Farrell came back with this promise. Here is a, a Bible in French for the Reformation. Okay, so Farrell with the Waldenses gave the French Bible in the French language to the French people. Yeah. Fabulous. Um he did some work with Calvin, is that right? Yes, he was with Calvin, and for a while Calvin was told to get out of Geneva, and when he came back, uh, Farrell says, stay here. This is the place God has called you to, and with his influence, Calvin became the leader of the church there in Geneva. So did Farrell follow along with Calvinistic theology? Most of it, he we would call him Calvinistic, but he disagreed over the Eucharist. 
And if you remember, even Luther had different views from yeah. Zwingli. And, yeah. And yeah. there was differences here between Farrell and with Kelvin over that. Well, it's interesting as you study the Protestant Reformation, God didn't dump the truth on them on every, in, in everything all of a sudden. It was a bit of a journey, wasn't it, of some hundred years as God slowly but gradually calls them out of Catholicism into the pure biblical truth. And all these different men had a part to play, and they all kind of brought different theological perspectives and truths, and eventually it did all come together. So um, when well, did he die? He died in 1565, but if you go to Neuchatel, which is a town in Switzerland, there's the church and there's a massive statue of Farrell, and guess what it shows? I'm, I'm, he, I could guess. Let me guess because I haven't seen it and I don't know. Let me have a guess. I would say Farrell with the Bible. Farrell has an open yeah, Bible. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yep. And so he's, <laughs> pre, he's proclaiming the truths of the Bible, and he was the pastor there for many years, and uh, he wrote many books. But, you know, if you look at something about Farrell, being featured as one of the leaders of the Reformation there, there is one thing. The open Bible is a summary of this fearless scriptural leader who practiced it and preached it all his life. Dare I say that perhaps we live in a time today, Harold Harker, where we need more Farrells. Men and women who will stand up for the truth with great zeal, without fear. We need more Farrells and we need more people to recognise that the Bible is the very word of God that has life as we look at it and study it and follow it. And is that what you get out of Farrell's life when you look at it? I do. A fearless guy, but he's for God and he's for the Scripture. Yeah, well, fabulous, fabulous story. Can we look at the other guys, Wingley, in the next few weeks, uh, Harold? Yeah, we can, we can do Zwingli, no yeah, problem. Just while we're on these guys, fantastic story. Thanks for joining us today, and may we all be Farrells in our own way. God bless you. Thank yeah, you. God bless, Harold. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, what a great story. Absolutely. I love these Reformation stories. I hope our listeners are enjoying them. <laughs> if they're not, I am, mate. <laughs> I, I went for a trip through Europe with Harold Harker, and I'm hoping to do it with you, Hunty. That'd be nice. we really want to film some of these stories, Yeah, don't we do. We've we we just do. got to raise the money to do it. Not easy. But I reckon if we can raise the money and we can get back with these stories, they'll be red, red hot. Nice. Um, this next song is from a church. This is actually... I don't know that we've done this a whole lot, and I'm kind of changing direction a bit today. Yep. This is from a Protestant church in Ireland. Very famous church. Has a very famous preacher. He just retired. Very powerful preacher. You don't have to agree with everything he says, but very powerful preacher. And they can sing. And, in fact, our church at New Hope, which is in northwest Sydney. And, by the way, if you're in Sydney, what's this weekend, hunty? It's Easter. Ah. <sighs> Look, if you're in Sydney and you've got nowhere to go, come to come New to Hope Church. Church. Yep. We have a very special Easter Sabbath service. Starts at four, 10 o'clock. Yep, for Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. I'm very impressed. You might not remember the phone numbers for this program, but you remember next where we are. Next door to Aldi. It is next door to Aldi. Hamilton Road almost. Plenty of room in our beautiful church we meet in. Yep. And we are going to have a great celebration and time of worship remembering what Jesus did for us. Now, this church 
Their music, much of the music of New Hope, they have had a deep influence. This is the, on us. the Whitewell Church, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is yep. Whitewell Church in Ireland. White Wall. White Wall. White Wall. Okay. Church in Northern Ireland. Their music is beautiful, and this song, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. This is their congregation singing it. Yep. Let's listen to them. Indeed. That's beautiful. What a river. I grew up with music like that. In fact, that song, we're going to sing that at church this Sabbath. Great. Just a coincidence. Yes. But this Sabbath, Saturday, 10 o'clock, and I'm telling you, if you're in Sydney, you've got nowhere to go. Look, if you've got your own church, your own Sabbath church, praise the Lord, you go there. 
But if you've got nowhere to go and you want to you wanna have a great time of worship, I'm preaching this Sabbath, auntie. Yep. I'll guarantee you we're going to be preaching a Bible-based sermon. Yep. Message. Yep. And we're going to have fabulous music. For sure. And the sound will work because guess who does that? <laughs> and you will be blessed. Hunty. Hunty's our yeah. sound. Well, I've got, so, a gr- I've got a great team. So if anything goes wrong with the tech, we just all look at Hunty. <laughs> so we'd love to see you at church. We would well, love what a to great, see you. What, if you've never been to church before, what a great day to come and have a look. Yep, Four Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just off Hamilton Road near the Aldi. I call it Easter Sabbath. That's it. And if you go onto our... Uh, Facebook pages and that, you'll start to see advertisement for it as well. For sure. And it's a beautiful, beautiful time of fellowship. Hey, uh, we have, I hope we have got a guy called Don Felberg online. Are you there, Don? Yes, I'm there, Pastor Lloyd, yes. Well, we're, we're very glad to, to hear that you are there because you're somewhere out in the middle of Australia somewhere. Is that correct? Well, not quite, but uh, we're in. A, I'm in an area where I haven't got good uh, mobile service. So we're on a prayer here, hoping and, and praying yes. that you stay with us. <laughs> where are you? You're in Western Australia. Yes. Okay, but yeah, you're West Australia. Yes. And you are out in the country somewhere. I am. Yes. Uh, in fact, a hundred kilometres north of Meriden, which is. Meriden's about halfway between Perth and Kalgoorlie. So wow. it's not really out in the never never, but it's far oh, enough. Well for us city for us city folks, that's a that's a fair hike. <laughs> Actually Yes, yeah. We're I'm going to Western Australia. Hunty's coming with me. I think we're going to a place we I've never been there. And we're going to a place called Bunbury sometime in July. Oh yes, yes. For a regional over Lovely. There. That'll be lovely. Yeah, a good place, is it? Yeah, it's it's a beautiful place, uh, very lovely climate right on the coast. It's a uh, couple of uh, hours' drive south of Perth, a beautiful spot. Ah, looking forward to it. Now, you've been a pastor for many years. Tell us how many years you've been ministering in the Adventist Church. Oh, since 1979, so that's what, about 44 years, I think, coming up. It's wow. almost as long as my Tad has been around. I think he went out in seventy two, seventy three. So you you're still a pastor. You're still active, or you've retired? <laughs> well, I, I think I can say yes to both of those questions. <laughs> I've, I've retired, but I'm still active. <laughs> <laughs> now, look. The reality is, I haven't. In fact, it, yeah. Go on. I was going to say I'm very busy with, uh, I've been kept very busy with phone calls from people all over West Australia, Northern Territory and South Australia and particularly with COVID as more and more of the Aboriginal folk got COVID, they'd ring me up to pray for them. So that's kept me busy. Plus I'm still doing, I've got a wedding coming up on Friday and I had a funeral the other week and so yes, yeah, still, still keeping uh, quite active and busy. Where, where do you actually live? Live in uh, in Kelmstock in Perth, one of the southern suburbs of Perth. Now you mentioned um, your Aboriginal work. I, that's the reason I'm talking to you today because I want to talk about that. How many yes. years and how long have you been working with our Indigenous people? Well, since the year 2000. 22 years. Wow. What what yeah, led you in? What yeah. led you, what led you to work with our indigenous people here in Australia? Well, I was invited to 
become the pastor of our Wyala, Port Lincoln, and the Port Augusta churches in the year 2000. And I, they said to me, Port Augusta is basically an Aboriginal church. Okay. And uh, I really enjoyed my work with the Indigenous folk there. I loved it. In fact, I took the opportunity of also visiting folk in Coopapedi and I had a I was invited to take a funeral in Udnadatta and so I visited there and then there were people up in Sink who were showing an interest so we went up there which was a thousand kilometers to the north of Port Augusta. You and must... then I also was involved in a funeral in the Ananupigandera lands of north south of Australia. So yes, um that was my early experience. You must have um, been doing a few Ks on the on the old car there. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, in, in some of those early years, I just got around with a Mitsubishi station wagon. Not but even, you know, a, four, not even a four-wheel slow, drive. Not even a four-wheel drive in the early years. But you know what's interesting? You can get over a lot of rough country if you take it slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's not Hunty's style. That's no, Lloyd's style. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the corrugations uh, on the road out there. I find them very rough and very unsettling. It feels like your your car's going to fall to bits, you know. Um, what, oh yeah. Sometimes what, it shakes you one way and then it shakes you back the other way. Yeah. What are the greatest challenges for our Indigenous people here in contemporary Australia? Well, I think that from my perspective, I think I could say it's a a struggle for identity for them to work out really who they are and how they fit. You see, many of them had their lands and sacred sites taken away or destroyed and they lost their language. Many of their ancestors were massacred and then came the stolen generation and those of mixed race uh, were taken away, even from good homes. Yeah. And uh, then they were brought into communities, brought in with other tribes. And and so, you know, all, all of the hurts were passed down from generation to generation. There were scars and then... Um, then alcohol and drugs have been mixed in with all of this. Well, I guess you're susceptible to those things when you're feeling miserable about yeah. yourself. Yeah. And so it's it's a very complex thing, but it's... And also, our folk have a different value system, mm. and so they find it hard to fit into a Western way of thinking where mm. possessions and money seem to have high priority. Yeah. Is is Jesus the answer for the indigenous people and is the message of Jesus making headway? Well, many of our Aboriginal folk would say with certainty Jesus is the answer. Yeah. They do say that. Yeah. They're a very spiritual people and Christianity gives them identity. Yeah. And... Um, Many of them have embraced Christianity. I, I'm not sure what the later census figures are. I think it's around 76% of, of Aboriginal people in Australia claim to be Christian. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Pastor Lloyd, when you visit 
they, you tell them you're the pastor, they get excited. They love to see the pastor. They want you to pray for them. Mm. And um, many of them have good mission, good memories of mission days where they learn the Christian songs, where they learn their memory verses, they learned about Jesus. Mm. And, and so today in many of the... Uh, particularly the remote places where I've spent a lot of my time visiting. They love you to come and, and your very presence in the community announces there's going to be a, a Bible meeting, a church mm-hmm. meeting that night, regardless of what day of the week it is. Yeah. It's and, a- um, and they feel good yeah. after coming along to church. It's amazed me as I've travelled around the world how Jesus is the answer to every culture, every people, every race, every creed, and every tribe. He truly is universal, isn't he? It's so true, and it's especially uh, true among our Aboriginal folk. What obstacles are there for Aboriginal people in finding Jesus here in Australia? Well, I think that... um, they do tend to move in groups um, rather than making independent decisions. In other words, they they are very much influenced by family, mm. and so um, if someone wants to step out and and do something that others around them are not doing, they mm. will tend to pull them down or pull them back. Uh, for example, if someone does. Um, want to step out and follow Jesus and say, give up the alcohol and the drugs, family will pressure on them. And so that's one thing. I think another thing is they're being influenced more and more by secular society. You see, more of them, even the remote ones, are getting mobile phones. There are more remote areas now that have mobile service Mm. and uh, and so they're getting more influenced by Western morals. And I see that as a, a big challenge in the days ahead. They haven't got the old role models that they used to have that had good good yeah. uh, Christian morals. It sounds very similar to us, doesn't it, really? Same sort of pressures. Well, it, 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 there, are, there are similarities, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does a, now, you're a Seventh-day Adventist church pastor since the 70s. That, that's correct, yes. Does the church you serve, do they run schools and colleges for our Indigenous people, or how does that work? Yes, um, uh, we've run a number of them over the years, um, and they have made big impacts uh, on the people. But currently we have Carolundi, which has been running for 68 years. Yep. Uh, Carolundi is up in the centre of Western Australia in the desert, serves the Madu people and and others from around West. In fact, folk from all over Western Australia have had influence from attending Carolundi. Okay, yep. And um, Carolundi and Carolundi is a uh, a parent operated school. We have it because the Aboriginal folk said. We want to have a Christian school. Okay. Back 68 years ago, old Mrs. Avi Curley said to one of our pastors, she said, what are you doing for our people? Mm-hmm. We want to have a, 
a school like some of the other churches have. And yeah. so that led to the establishment of Caralundi. And, um, and so it's still operating and still being a blessing uh, to many of the people throughout the desert there. There's one that, is it? And also, Pastor Lloyd, we have Mama Rafa College. Yep. yep. Mama Rafa College was established uh, about 25 years ago. Yep. To train uh, Aboriginal pastors. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, and to tra- and to train them in their own setting in, in with a, among themselves where there's mostly just Aboriginal folk. And we, we've had some powerful, well. yeah, we've had some powerful preachers come out of there. Some of my mates have come from that college, yeah, um, and they they work yeah. really powerfully, not just amongst the indigenous, but amongst Australians, full stop. Um, so you must it's be doing true. something right there. So, so there's one in Carolundi. There's one Maramar. Mar- how do you say that? Mar- Ma- Mama Rafa. That's Mama. that's where's Mama where's that? The, the- that's in uh, the hills of Perth, in a little town called Carragullum, sort of like a suburb of Perth. And is that are those two the only schools? Uh, currently, at the moment, they are. Yes. Did we used to have one up we around Tar- Tari and around those areas? Yeah, there were Mirawinnie Gardens out from Kempsey, and that operated for quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. There was Mona Mona up in North Queensland, and uh, then in more recent times, Curra were out near Brewarrina. Okay, okay. Um, but coming back to Mama Rapa, yep. um, I just ought to tell you that while Mama Rapa has trained uh, pastors, Aboriginal pastors, there are many people who go there who just want to learn more about Jesus and more about the Bible. I've helped many people fill in their application forms and you say, why, one of the questions is, why do you want to go? Mm. It's to learn about Jesus, to learn about the Bible, to share Jesus with my family. Well, and so, yeah, uh, yeah. many people, and many, uh, there have been many people that have gone there that have later made a full commitment to Jesus themselves and been baptised. Yeah, and so it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Can you tell us, we're running out of time, but can you tell us a short, short story of a Aboriginal person who found Christ? Sure, sure. I think of a lady by the name of Colleen Roberts who lived in Maree in South Australia there up in the Flinders Ranges. And uh, some years ago, Pastor Eric Davey went up to visit another lady in that town who'd had some problems. And um, when he got there, she wasn't there, and he met up with this Colleen Roberts. Mm. And Colleen said, Pastor, she said, I'm about ready to commit suicide. She said, I've had so many problems in my life. I've lost so many family members, and life is without meaning. She wasn't a Christian person. Yeah, yeah. And he said to her, look, he said, he said, you ought to go to, to Mama Rafa College, to Bible College. And uh, she said, all right then, I will. And uh, it surprised him. I think it surprised her. And uh, <laughs> anyway, she signed up to go. And when the day the plane was to come in to pick her up to go to college, the night before, she got drunk. Yep. And uh, anyway, you wouldn't believe it, Pastor Lloyd, that the plane was cancelled because of the weather and was coming the day after. 
And so she sobered up by that time and got on the plane and she got to Perth to Bible College and she's sitting up in class. She thought, whatever have I got myself into? <laughs> you know, Crazy I man. don't belong here. But anyway, the Holy Spirit began to work on her heart and uh, before long she accepted Jesus as the Savior and she found meaning in life. She was then later baptized and I had her on one of my field schools of evangelism. She came to assist me and she took one of the meetings and talked to the people about how to how to find salvation, how to be saved. And I still remember at the end of her meeting, she made this appeal. She told a story of how she'd found Jesus and how he'd saved her life. And then she appealed to the people to come forward and accept Jesus. And she made a strong appeal. Mm. She talked to them like she really meant them to come mm. because mm. she did. Yeah. And there was a drunk man there and uh, he, he started to get up to come forward and uh, his wife said, you can't go, you're drunk, you, you're drunk. He said, I've got to go, i got to go. He said, I don't want to miss out. And so he headed off and uh, and there came in front of uh, Colleen and uh, along with some others and there she prayed for these people to accept Jesus and to give their hearts to him. Uh, Colleen has been the senior elder of our church in Port Augusta. She's worked in drug and alcohol rehabilitation. She says herself, she tells everybody, Jesus saved my life. Jesus Mm. gave me meaning. Mm. And uh, she's still sharing Jesus with people, anyone who will listen. And She's encouraging family and friends to come to Mama Rafa because that's the place that changed her life. You can take it to the bank, Pastor, that that plane was held up by Jesus for her. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) If we had an an Indigenous Aboriginal person listening to us today, which we do, and they wanted to go to Mama Rafa, forgive me if I didn't say that right, I'm a Queensland boy. I don't know my <laughs> the Western Australian names real well. Um, I should I should tell you, Pastor Lloyd. Sorry yeah, for butting yeah, in, no, but Mama right. Rafa means it's made up of two words. Mama means Father God. Yep. That's the word of the the Western Desert mob. They'll yep. often pray. They'll say Mama Father. You know, or yep. they'll say to me, "I need to go Mama's way." They'll say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good. And uh, then Rafa is a Hebrew word meaning to heal or to restore, to make whole. So really the name of the college means God heals. And that's what it does. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, if someone wanted to go there to Mamaratha as a student, what do you do? Just Google it or look it up and apply? Or how does that work? Yes, yes. Google Mama Rafa College. M-A-M-A, that's Mama. And then Rafa, R-A-P-H-A. Yep. And uh, you can download an application form and the number is there so that uh, if anyone wanted to go and need some help, you can ring the college and they'll help you over the phone or direct you to somebody in the local area that can help you. And I think there's some scholarships available too for Indigenous folk too, I believe. Is that right, Don? Uh, well, most of our folk, all of would qualify for ab study nice and so that is that enables people to go um to come in for the blocks it's block study so they come for six nine day blocks 
throughout the year. Yep. And that's, that works well for folks because they're not away from family for long periods mm. of time. Um, and, uh, but, um, they're able to get there and, um, and so it works quite well like that. So yes, the app study is available. Uh, the transport, the flying in is available even if they are, um, you know, earning more than what uh, would allow them to get regular app study payments. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, have you got uh, optimism for the work amongst our Indigenous people in Australia, the future? Yes, yes, it's going forward. Yep. Uh, there are more and more people who are responding to the call of Jesus and uh, it's exciting what's happening. Last question then. What can we do to help the work amongst our Indigenous people, mm. amongst our Aussie Indigenous people, our Aboriginal people? Well, I think, Pastor Lloyd, the first thing I'd say, um, they they respond to people who love them and care for them and have an interest in them. And so be friendly. If mm. you see an Aboriginal person, talk to them. Yeah. Say hello. Usually they will be quite happy to talk back mm. and be willing to go out of your way to help them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the first thing. And then we have some wonderful resources. We have a resource called our Jesus Posters. We've put together 14 paintings of with Aboriginal people in them. They've got real Aboriginal people in them, not just artist impression of people. And um, these, we've uh, sold hundreds and hundreds of these Jesus paintings. Mm-hmm. And they put them up on the walls of their houses. And so if you met, if you knew an Aboriginal person, I would say uh, get hold of some of these uh, paintings and take them one. Where would you get them? They will be really. You can get them from our AtSim department at the Australian Union Conference Office. Google. Or your AtSim director. Google AtSim, A-T-S-I-M. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And, and so, yeah, if you were to take, if you were to get one of these posters of Jesus with his hands extended out or the second coming or the crucifixion, the crucifixion one is painted with desert scene at the foot of the cross. Wow. It connects, you know? Yeah. And uh, and when they see their own mob in there, mm. uh, they just want them. And so, so yes, that if you get back those, that would really connect you in. You're a friend. Well, that's it's been fabulous and really interesting to talk to you. They are an amazing people. And they uh, are. They, and, and they become, for us, they've become like family. Yeah, well, and, uh, I've watched, they are our family. Yeah, I was about to say that. I've watched you from afar. They're more than become family. They are your family. And I, I think it's just right. a wonderful thing that Jesus can walk straight into their culture and win them to his heart too. Yes. He is some yes. God. Like you, say, like you say, Jesus fits really every culture. He is the answer to every culture, Pastor Lloyd. Yeah. He sure. doesn't. He it doesn't matter. He'll come to you, whoever you are, and as you said, he's going to give you identity, and he's going to give you a future, yes. and he'll give you healing, whether you're Aboriginal yes. or whether you're European Australian or whether uh, you come from somewhere else. Doesn't matter to Jesus. He wants you, he loves you, and he'll have you. True. Very, very true. Yeah. I wonder as we. Cl-
close this little interview, I, I, I've never done this, but I wonder if I could get you to pray for our Indigenous people and for the work of Jesus in Australia amongst them. Would you do that for us? Be very happy to. Thank you. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can pray to you here this afternoon. And Lord, we want to thank you for our Indigenous brothers and sisters right across Australia. Some of them live in very remote areas, others live along the coast and but Lord, we, we just pray that you'll be with each one of them. Some of them are facing big problems and are feeling no good about themselves. But Lord, help them to know that you love them and help them to know that they're, that Lord Jesus, you were willing to come and to die in their place and uh, that you have a home up in heaven that you've prepared for them and you want them to be there. And so help them, Lord, to reach out to you knowing that you will accept them and that you will help them and save them. And Father, I pray that you'll bless Mama Rafa and Carolundi and and all efforts that are being made to point people to Jesus. And I pray that they might open their hearts to you and find peace and happiness in you. Bless Pastor Lloyd and, uh, and uh, bless his ministry too. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's been a privilege to talk to you, sure Pastor Don, and we look forward to talking to you again in the not-too-distant future. See you, mate. Lovely. Thank you. God bless. Listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, that was really interesting. Wasn't that? Isn't he an amazing man? He is. Um, he's actually spent many, many years working uh, with the Indigenous people of Australia, and he really... He's almost one of them when you watch him. Yep. Him with them. Yep, they love him. He loves them and they yep. love him. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of love there. That's all right. This next song, it's Easter this coming weekend. It is. I chose this song because it is Easter. We're going back to the Irish church again. Yep. And they're singing this beautiful, again, this is a song, Hunty. Yes. We're going to sing this, this coming Saturday coming, yep. Sabbath at our church at yep. New Hope. Lovely. And, and by the way, any Adventist church you go to this weekend, is going to be celebrating Jesus on the cross. Yes. And, and he is the power, and it's that love that reaches into the hearts of our indigenous people and others all over this nation. This is a great song, and they sing it with gusto, and we'll be singing it this Saturday, this Sabbath, on a hill far away.
Beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Another song from my childhood, kind of going on a uh, walk back into history here, hunty. <laughs> yep. But uh, it is Easter. It is a time to remember Jesus. And you know, when it comes to Easter, we often centre the Bible study, our attention on the cross and what happened on the cross, and rightly so. But it's not all about the cross, because central to the Easter story is not just the fact that Jesus came and died for your sins and my sins, took the penalty for them. The great news is that he did die, but there was resurrection. Amen. Hey, just read. We're running out of time. We are. But read seven verses for me of Matthew 28. I want to leave our listeners with this tremendous story and then one great song that celebrates this. Go, Hunter. All righty. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Now, just hold a second. Jesus has been crucified. Yep. He's died with our sins weighing heavily down on him. Yep. He's been buried. It's Sunday morning. So he died. When did he die? Friday. It's Sunday morning. He's been dead for two, three yep, days. Yep, yep. And then Mary. Yep. This is the Mary that Jesus saved. Saved. The prostitute. The prostitute. John yep. chapter 8. Yep. She goes looking for Jesus. Look what happens. Yep. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Resurrection, hunty. Yes. This is resurrection. Keep going. Yes. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen, come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Did you get to verse 7 there? I did. So Jesus is resurrected. She doesn't see. Mary Magdalene does not see Jesus resurrected. She sees an angel. Yes. And there's lots of noise. There's lightning. Yes, earthquake. This is the most... This is the most powerful event in the history of not just the world, but of the entire universe. Yep. Jesus has risen from the dead. Yep. He's gone to Galilee. You go, he says. The angel says, you go tell everybody Jesus has been resurrected. Now, can you imagine, Hunty, what mm-hmm. it would have been like for her, or if you were a disciple, that very first time you saw the resurrection oh, Jesus. so exciting it had such a powerful impact on me that when i watched that movie on easter what's it called risen yep and it's just a movie but it's a movie about the story by the way if you haven't seen it take the time to watch it this easter yep and jesus appears to his disciples i'm watching this and it had such a powerful impact on me i began to weep and yeah. i feel emotional i'm now. emotional now what too what must it have been like to see jesus the master resurrected amen and so i want to leave that with you today easter it is about the cross yes it is about Jesus who died for you, but it's over the mighty truth that Jesus has been resurrected. This song, Up From the Grave He Arose, yep. celebrates it, and it's sung by one of our Adventist choirs in, in Africa. Africa.
Hallelujah, Christ arose. And that's the story of Easter. And so if you're hurt and if you're wounded, if your heart is empty, then this Easter consider Jesus Christ. Mm. Invite him into your heart. Give Jesus a go. Everything will change and you'll get healing and you'll get peace and your life will be brand new. Hey, I'm going to tell you again. Yep. This Sabbath. Yep. At New Hope Church. New Hope, Seventh day Adventist Church. How do you get there? Four Samuel Place, Quaker Hill, just off Hambledon Road, next door to Aldi. Yep. You Ten come, o'clock, Saturday morning. Come along. Um, if you've got nowhere else to go, come along. We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. It's a feel-good message. This is what it's all about. And I'll tell you what, Hunty, the way the world is, we're going to see that Jesus in the flesh real soon. For sure. Let me pray. Yep. Dear Lord, Thank you for this program today, for the guests, for the inspiring stories. Lord, for the beautiful music. And I just pray now that as we go that we'll never lose sight of the fact that you are the Saviour. You do love us and you do offer to save us if we choose you. I choose you. Hunty chooses you. For sure. Oh, Lord, I pray that our listeners will choose you too. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grollam. My name's Hunty. I didn't even get it out. <laughs> Not even get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try again. We're going to get this right this week. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. And my name's Hunty. And I'm the Aussie pastor. And we love you. Uh, uh, you're the tech boy. That's it. And we do love We'd you. We love you. Jesus, he loves you so, so much, much more. more. See you next See time. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.